For our series of VADC Autoridade da Concorrência Competition Talks with Leading Experts in Competition Policy, we have today Dr. Giulio Federico, the head of the unit for mergers at Digicomp, uh, at the chief economist team of Digicomp. And Giulio Federico is actually now a key player in the economic analysis at the European Commission, but his expertise is wide-ranging, building on his academic experience, teaching, researching and publishing on I.O., regulation and competition policy issues, as well as from consultancy. Indeed, Giulio was vice president of Charles Rivers Associates before joining Digicomp. He holds a PhD in economics from the University of Oxford with a focus on electricity market design. Giulio, it's a real pleasure uh, to have this competition talk with you. Um, welcome <laughs> to the Autoridad de Concurrencia. You have published a number of articles um, about the competition assessment of mergers and in particular on the assessment of merger efficiencies and the impact of mergers on firms' incentives to innovate. So this is quite topical uh, right now. And um, as, you, as you noted in one of your papers, the preeminence of efficiency arguments has risen uh, 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 in recent cases in the European Commission. Uh, in your view, is it more common now for parties in EU mergers to, to provide more robust evidence regarding efficiency claims, or is it about claiming but not uh, um, demonstrating? Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for having me here. It's a pleasure to be in Lisbon, and uh, thank you for the invitation. Um, and these are great topics you, you've picked. I mean, I think on, on your first questions on, on efficiencies, we are seeing, uh, I think, more uh, submissions on efficiency claims in the last few years in, you know, in complex phase two investigations. Some is driven by the wave of, of mergers in the mobile uh, network sector, so mobile operators. And I think in part because in those cases, the, the competition issues were quite were quite uh, were quite obvious, I may say, in, you know, in a market with, with, with high concentration where two out of few players merge. And therefore, I think that the parties and their advisors put significant efforts also on the efficiency claims. And going to your questions, were these just claims or was there evidence? I think there's clear evidence that bringing together networks can increase quality and increase coverage, for example, and speed and, uh, and possibly increase investments. The, the key issue there for the, for the commission assessment was the one on merger specificity. Could you achieve those network gains via network sharing, therefore in a less anti-competitive alternative? So I think that the claim in terms of, from a business perspective, quality would increase after a merger was, in many cases, was credible. Just the causal link, was the merger necessary to achieve it, was what led the commission ultimately not to accept a claim under the, the legal framework of our guidelines. Indeed, those experiences are very helpful for future cases, and the merger uh, specificity argument is particularly key. Over the years, there have, has been an argument that competition authorities focus on short-term effects, and in particular on prices, while paying less attention on some, some dynamic efficiencies. Do you think we should be more lenient towards dynamic efficiencies assessment in merger control? And how do we answer claims that we are accounting for the little but failing to account for the bulk? This is dynamic efficiencies. Well, that's a great question. I think uh, the whole debate we're having uh, on innovation in the last few months, and I think we'll come to it, uh, is linked to this. I, I would have two... two well, one, one answer is that often the term dynamic efficiency is only used to refer 
to potential positive impact of a merger. So let's bear in mind dynamic inefficiencies as well, because <laughs> mergers may actually reduce innovation incentives and actually reduce dynamic efficiency, and I think we'll discuss it. Um, the, uh, so having said that, there may be mechanisms by which a merger may actually not reduce dynamic efficiency by actually increase efi dynamic efficiency. Uh, and I think we know from the work of uh, Schumpeter and others that dynamic gains can easily swamp uh, the effect of a merger on, on short-term prices. So, so I, think that's, I think that's well accepted. So the, the, the real issue is when, when parties make claims of dynamic efficiency, how robust are, are those claims? Is the mechanism robust? So for, sometimes people just make the argument, look, uh, I'll save some fixed costs as a result of this merger, I'll uh, therefore make more money and hence I'll invest more. So there's a link between profitability and investment. I think that link, in general, is not at all obvious unless you have a, a sort of variable cost saving that makes your marginal investments more profitable. There may be issues of cash flow constraints and financial constraints which, which establish this link. We've, we've, the Commission has looked at this kind of arguments in a number of cases, including the Hutchinson O2 Ireland merger and the Hutchinson Wind merger. For factual reasons, this wasn't accepted. So I think the issue there was more, is the claim robust given the factual evidence as opposed to emphasizing too much static effects over dynamic effects. When it comes to innovation, again, I think we know from the economics literature, if there are knowledge spillovers, the merger will internalize, maybe innovation can go up because of a merger. So again, it's an issue of not uh, neglecting these effects, but checking whether spillovers on, are a, a feature of, an, of a market or not. So I think this, this debate is much more about is the mechanism for dynamic gains from the merger uh, robust and factually grounded, and less so about the commission or the authorities are too focused on static effects they can measure and they ignore the issues they cannot measure. I think we've learned on, on this topic in the last few, few years. I think if you see those decisions, with efficiency claims being assessed, there's a lot of work in assessing whether the, the dynamic claim is, is, is valid or not. Indeed, and, and, and uh, all the work that you've done recently uh, uh, makes a, a, a very interesting and clear link in between product market competition and competition for innovation and, and how we can uh, bring what we have learned in terms of incentives for competition in product market to innovation. And that brings me uh, to the next uh, uh, question. Um, going into the issue of innovation and assessing innovation, uh, the impact of a merger on innovation, um, I cite uh, uh, your paper that you have recently published in the Economic Letters in July 2017, in which you say innovation is a critical determinant of long-run growth and welfare. Competition policy should therefore seek to prevent mergers that reduce innovation, while allowing those with a positive impact on innovation through the appropriate use of merger control. Uh, it's, it's quite a challenge. Nonetheless, uh, uh, assessing the impact of mergers on innovation is not an easy task. Uh, Julie, could you please share with us your thoughts on, on, on the key issues and the challenges of assessing uh, a merger's impact on innovation and building on, on your recent work? Yes, uh, I think th there's two levels at which one can respond to this question. Is, is one, what is the right economic framework to assess the impact of horizontal mergers, so mergers between innovators? and their innovation efforts. And, and some of the work that's been going on in, in Dow DuPont 
in the last uh, few months, and some of the ongoing academic uh, research as well that I've carried out with my colleagues, uh, Gregor Langus and Tommaso Valletti, has tried to really under try to understand what's the right economic framework to understand these effects. Because some people have been saying often in, in the literature, look, it's inevitably ambiguous, the impact of competition on innovation or product market competition on innovation, hence merger control should be very cautious in looking at these effects. Now, if you look at the, at that, at the literature where those claims come from, they often don't look at the horizontal mergers, they don't look at changes in innovation competition, so I think they often look at product market competition, which is only, which only, only one aspect of the impact of a merger on competition. So one has to be very careful in drawing those conclusions. In our own work and some of the review of the literature, uh, I think our conclusion is that uh, there is a broad set of circumstances that, that make you more concerned about a merger impact innovation and some that would make you less concerned. So there is guidance from economics on when it's more likely that a merger will, will negatively impact innovation. And I think the guidance is that if the merger brings together close innovation competitors in a given trajectory, it's more likely the innovation effort to the merging parties will go down. Uh, if the barriers to entry in R&D are very high, that, that's a more likely effect. If efficiencies in the form of spillovers, I mentioned earlier, knowledge spillovers are not prevalent then again, it's more likely that you have concerns on innovation. So th the broad framework of unilateral effects that you apply to price can be transposed to, to innovation to a large extent. There are innovation-related efficiencies that you, you have to take into account, which are maybe more specific to innovation than other efficiency channels. For example, the issue of knowledge spillovers and the strength of intellectual protection, uh, intellectual property rights. But broadly speaking, our, our framework for unilateral effects gives us good guidance also for innovation effects. And not by coincidence, this is the position that the US horizontal merger guidelines uh, adopt explicitly in, in, uh, in talking about innovation and efficiencies. And I think give us enough guidance to know which facts, which evidence to collect to check whether a merger may or may not uh, reduce innovation incentives. Indeed, indeed. And, and, um, it's very interesting, uh, all these developments, they, because they build on, 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 on the work that was available uh, in the economic literature on, on innovation, the, the, the effect of the neck-to-neck uh, -neck, neck -neck competition, and it relates also to product market competition, and, 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 and all the grounds for these are, are in the, the, the horizontal merger gu guidelines, uh, the principles at least. Um, but still, some argue that the case of uh, the, the decision of the European Commission in Dal Dupont uh, uh, represents um, uh, marks a, a deviation or a departure from the past cases. Uh, um, so, to have a quite disruptive impact on the on the approach of the European Commission to assessing innovation. So, in short, how do you, how do you take these claims? Do you think that this is more of a, a, an evolution? Or do you think that the Dow Dupont merger decision marks a, a revolution in the assessment uh, uh, of innovation uh, by, the, by the digital? Uh, I think it's an evolution in the sense that, as you said, uh, also the, I mentioned the US guidelines, but also the, the European guidelines speak about impacts of mergers on, on price and quality and innovation, new, new technologies, new products. So this has always been an issue in, uh, in merger control, also the, the, the CMA guidelines have similar language, uh, 
our Article 101 horizontal cooperation guidelines also are concerned about those type of effects, that R&D cooperation or horizontal agreement at the R&D level may reduce uh, innovation incentives. I think what was different in Dow DuPont that uh, the Commission looked uh, in depth at not only product market competition and the associated effects on, on, on innovation and perhaps you know, remedy design, but also looked in depth at innovation as a sort of uh, standalone concern. And it is true that we made a, a more uh, significant effort to go back to the first principles and, and to the economics literature to understand the impact of this merger innovation. This was prompted by factual evidence on, on this market, in particular the fact that the market has become much more concentrated in R&D over the last few years, uh, high barriers to entry to develop new products, direct evidence of this continuation of R&D efforts by the merging parties. And that prompted us, therefore, to, to go back to this issue and understand the, the economic framework and, yes, possibly develop it further, uh, also for guidance for future cases of this type. But if you look at, for example, the general court decision on Deutsche Börse Euronext from a few years ago, there was a theory of harm based on innovation, on new and improved products, that uh, would be the, suppressed by the merger, and the court uh, accepted that theory of harm and upheld that theory of harm in its judgment. So I think this concept is not novel. I hope we made some progress in Dow DuPont in giving it uh, sort of a more extensive foundation. But as I said, the facts were very specific in that case, and that, that was prompted that concern. I cannot tell you whether, how often these kind of issues will arise in, will the, arise in the future. Yeah. Julie, great. Thanks for, for sharing all these interesting uh, insights from, from your hands-on experience. Um, uh, it was great having this competition talk with you. Thank you very much.